Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours. And let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will We're so glad that you joined us. Edwin, what text are we talking about today? Today we're in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So much in this paragraph, two paragraphs that we're going to get to throughout the week. But today I want to start with really the elephant in the room, and that is churches have problems. This congregation had problems. This this very first church that ever existed, things were going pretty well, though we had the Ananias and Sapphira thing. We've got some of the persecution that's going on, and there's actually a shift in the persecution that we'll probably talk about tomorrow as we continue on in the chapter. Oh, tune in. Yeah. But here we see a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't think it was purposeful. I don't think the apostles were on purpose neglecting the Hellenists. But what's going on is the apostles have everything on their plate. They're the ones doing the teaching. They're the ones doing whatever counseling needs to be done. They're the ones that are doing whatever... Uh, instruction. Mm -hmm. And also up to this point, all of the money that's being collected is being laid at their feet, Mm -hmm. which means they're the ones determining the distribution. And whatever's going on here, they're spinning some plates and some of the plates are starting to topple. And so the Hellenists, and of course here, this doesn't mean Gentiles. No, it does not. This is a contrast between the native Hebrews and the Hellenists that had come from the dispersion that had come into Jerusalem because of the Pentecost feasts and the right. Passover feasts right. and had stuck around, those widows were being neglected and we've got a problem. So let's just start right there. I notice in verse one, as well as at the end of the 
paragraph in verse 7. We're going from growth to growth. We're going to start on this note that these are days when the number of disciples are multiplying. Rapid growth. Verse 7, we're going back to the word of God spreading and more and more disciples coming to the Lord. And isn't it interesting that it's people from all places and people from all ages? There's a lot of idea that the only people that would be interested in making a change of religion and a change of direction are very young people. But when we're talking about widows, we're talking about now... Typically. Typically, the aged. One of the things that I begin to see is that the engine of church growth is not youth, it is truth. And that when the truth of Jesus Christ is presented to people, people of all ages, they're going to respond to it. And an understanding that the work of the Lord's church is not to uh, just choose this segment or that segment of a population to try to reach with the gospel, but those who will hear. You going to turn that into a sermon title? (laughs) <laughs> it's not youth, it's truth. That's a sermon title. Write it down. You, okay. you, you need to be right. preaching on that. Hey, good point. What a what a powerful point. This this is appealing to this cross section. Of course, at this time, we're still dealing with Jews. It hasn't moved into Gentiles yet, but it's Jews who are native Hebrews here in Jerusalem and Judea. It's Jews who are coming from the dispersion from across Europe and Asia and coming into Jerusalem. They are the ones that are listening all ages. I appreciate what you talk about from growth to growth. We've got this thing, though, that in the middle seems to be threatening that right. Growth. There is a challenge here. There's a hardship. And and one of the reasons why it calls out to our heart and you have people rising up, or I should say raising their voices to address this, is it is attacking this um, population of need. I mean, we talk about the widows. On the one hand, it is remarkable to me that here's people in advanced age and they are they are for this truth, a new religion in a new way. But at the same time, there are people of tremendous need and we don't want to see them neglected. Layered in that is this dynamic, hey, we've got the out-of-towners, proselytes, different language that they're speaking. And, uh, you know, it, there's a concern here. Is, is there a prejudice that we are uncovering? Because it might look that way to some. It certainly would look that way to some. This, this is a problem that's going along ethnic lines. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to point that out because when those kinds of problems raise their head, it threatens to divide. Yeah. The, the threat right now in Acts chapter 6 is that this can become the first church of the Hellenists on the east side of town and the second church of the Hebrews mm-hmm. over on the west side of town. Mm-hmm. And we, we can end up with this complete two different tracks. Yeah. So we're, we're threatening to divide. And of course, what will happen if that kind of division takes place is that there will be people who are just lost in the mix. There'll be the two groups that go in their separate directions, but there'll be people who fall out in between both of them. So here's where my thinking gets challenged a little bit, and I hope corrected by the Word of God, because you might read some um, you know, literature in church world or church growth teaching that says, you know what God's ideal would be, is let's have one church over here that's kind of composed of this people, and whether d- the d- division is along age lines that we talked about a moment ago, or even particular um, races or ethnicities, well, here's just the genius of God, but that is not the genius of God. Here's God's genius in Acts 6, which is one body composed of many races, many ages, the gospel's going to reach them all. So let me just push on that a little bit, Andrew. Are you saying that what we should not be doing is trying to figure out what the 
purpose that is driving our congregation regarding the particular kind of people we want to appeal to. Rather, we're back to teach the truth, bring in everybody who responds. I am absolutely saying that. I am absolutely saying that. Now, what we also see in Acts 6 is if you're doing that right, it may uh, it may bring to the surface some other issues or tensions that we're trying to develop and grow beyond as followers of Jesus Christ, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, th- there are needs and there are priorities that could differ from, uh, you know, a segment of the youth in a congregation, the segment of the aged, uh, depending on a, a, you know, a, a racial perspective or an ethnic perspective. And so then it does become a challenge to leadership to build unity, to minister to needs, to make sure that it's, you know, the, the church keeping together and growing together and working together instead of allowing the devil to plant seeds of discourse, discord along, you know, generational lines or, or racial lines. Let's put this back into the context of what we've read from Acts chapters 1 through 5. Back in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 4, Luke recorded in both of those places that the disciples were contributing and taking care of everyone who had any need. This hearkened back to the law in Deuteronomy 15 when God had told the Israelites that if you take care of one another, there won't be any needy among you. Mm -hmm. And what Luke brings up is that Christ's kingdom is succeeding where the Old Testament kingdom had failed. They are taking care. There are no needy. And so the, the problem going on here is that, wait a minute. Now we've got some p- folks that are being left in their need, mm-hmm. and it, and it's this particular group. These Hellenistic widows are being left in their need. So I just want to make sure that, that we're understanding exactly what the problem here is. It's not just the racial thing going on. It's the fact that where the kingdom was succeeding a couple of weeks ago, we've got a fly in the ointment. It's not succeeding at that issue of no need among us. We still have the need. What is not the problem is a lack of funds or resources to meet the needs. Uh, You know, hearkening back to the last couple of chapters, we've got people selling their houses and selling their lands. There's more than enough resources to go and meet the needs. We have a logistical problem here. And that perhaps is being perceived as even more than logistical problems, some type of intentional slight. It's certainly not. But in this growth, here comes the pain. How do we meet? How do we meet these needs? Things are getting overlooked. Logistical problems. And I tell you what, we're going to talk about that part of it specifically on Wednesday. So I want to make sure to come back in and listen to the podcast on Wednesday as we talk about teamwork. Yeah. yeah. The thing I want us to see right now, though, about this problem is back to what you said at the beginning. It starts with growth Mm -hmm. and growth sometimes causes problems. However, where did it end in verse seven? Growth. Growth. Yeah. In between there, there's what we would call a problem. And what can happen for us is a problem shows up in a congregation and what too many of us do, I've done it. I, oh, there's a problem. I, I play out videotape in my mind about how awful it's going to be. And I just give up and I get discouraged and I lose heart. But what this actually was, yes, it was a problem, but actually it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for growth, not, not just numerical growth, but relational growth, uh, emotional, psychological growth, maturity, and spiritual growth. Because what they had to do was attack this problem conquer it, overcome it, and by working through that process, that allowed the congregation to grow. So what on the one hand appears to be a problem actually is an opportunity. 
And that's what I need to see when problems come up in a congregation. I need to see the opportunity for growth. Rather than giving up, rather than walking away, I need to see the opportunity for growth and and work through that with my brothers and sisters in the congregation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, maybe one of those easier said than done kind of deals. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But what a great pattern we have here in Acts 6 and something to pray about. We're going to talk about the last half of this chapter tomorrow. We're going to get back to some of the details on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. want to make sure those of you who are listening, we really appreciate you tuning in. Send us a message. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. We'd love to hear what you're learning. We'd love to hear what questions you have. I'd love for us to do a bonus episode just responding to some of the questions. So make sure to send that to us. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. You can get some more information about that in the show notes. Andrew, why don't you go ahead and wrap us up with prayer? Our good Father, we so thank you that you've blessed us with another day. We thank you for all those that are tuning in and joining in this conversation, this reading of Acts chapter 6. God, we pray that it might mean growth in our hearts and in our lives, that we might be able to look at the challenges and problems that may come our way this day as really opportunities for growth and for service for your glory. Please bless us to that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.